Hello, Worcester and the world. You're listening to Public Hearing on WICN 90.5 FM, Worcester's only NPR affiliate station, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am your host, Joshua Croak. I'm the founder of Action by Design, where we help organizations, coalitions, and cities imagine and materialize equitable, just, and joyful communities through art and design. Public Hearing is our show about making public participation and civic engagement more accessible in Worcester, our home base, and sharing stories from people in our community doing work that resonates with our commitment of engaging people with purpose. Here at Public Hearing in the month of June, well, we celebrate queer all year, but we always love when Pride Month comes around so we can bring even more attention to the work of folks in our community supporting LGBTQIA2S plus people. Today, we're talking with Catherine Aguilar, the founder of K-Sense Co., and involved in a bunch of things here in Worcester that we will be getting to in a moment. This is the Public Hearing Podcast. Born in El Salvador, Catherine is a dual citizen, graduated from Worcester Public Schools, has a BS in Business Administration, Finance, and Economics from Worcester State University. In 2019, she founded her own company, K-Sense Co., short for Common Sense common sense. Her shop is currently located inside the Worcester Public Market and is an eco-conscious gift boutique that is supporting over 16 women-owned business across the U.S. and is now featuring three artists from her home country. She organizes pop-up markets and art galleries throughout Worcester and is always working to make our city an equitable and vibrant place to work and live. She likes to dance, try new foods, and handcrafts candles for her store in her free time. She's a proud dog mama to three pups, Brady, Chloe, and Ben and auntie, a sister and daughter. Catherine, welcome to Public Hearing. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I always like to extend an invitation to guests to share anything else that they feel listeners would benefit from knowing about you, your background, your experience, your social location, anything you'd like to share before we get started today. So welcome. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I think a key piece of information I'd like to share with the viewers is um, I'm a proud immigrant and I'm a proud Latina first. I try to um, embody that in everything I do, um, whether it comes to my products in my store, the way I carry myself, being able to be bilingual and, and help each other help others out when it comes to language barriers. Um, I think that is very key to who I am um, and I think uh, growing up in Worcester, I, have a, I had a single mom. Um, we were low income, um, you know, free lunch, free everything. Um, I think that's very important to know as well. Um, even in college, I had, you know, all the great Pell Grants and all that good stuff. Um, so I really understand a lot of the youth here in Worcester um, being either an immigrant or children of immigrants, um, how difficult it is growing up in, in such an urban place. Well, thanks so much for being here. I'm excited to chat with you about your journey, your company, and all the work that, that you're doing here. And we are both now Leadership Worcester alum, right? You just did the program? Yes, I did. I just wrapped it up. We actually have our graduation this week. Um, so I'm super excited for that. Um, I'm a little sad because I've gotten so used to seeing these lovely group of, this lovely group of people once a month that now I, I don't know what to fill my time with. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things I know you're starting to fill some of your time with, in addition to being a uh, business owner and working at your, your shop in the market, is supporting uh, and being a part of the Pride Planning Committee for Pride in Worcester, which for listeners is going to be September 1st through the 11th of this year. 
year. Worcester does Pride in September as opposed to June for a handful of reasons, one of which is we have our college students back in the community so they can participate in and join in. So I'd love to hear about kind of your connection to, to Pride and get how you got involved with, with the group. And then I want to circle back around to talk about K-Sense Co. Yeah. Um, so I actually got introduced to the Pride group through my really good friend, David Connor, who's also leadership with uh, Worcester alum. That's how we met. Um, and he was kind of like, just come on in, like, come meet everybody. Like the girls are working, like you'll, you'll blend in fine. So I was like, okay, let me, let me go. So I went, um, a handful of times and then I actually just accepted the admin position within the committee, which has been really great. Um, cause it helps me kind of dive in and get my hands dirty, um, which is what I like to do. And I like to crown myself as an organizational queen. So I'm very excited yes. to kind of, <laughs> to kind of put, you know, my, my effect on everything um and so far the group has been really great very welcoming um it's been really helpful because at first um I kind of positioned myself more as just an ally um but as I've kind of been involved with the group and I've been open to like my past experiences and relationships and, and sexuality I think I'm more um comfortable being open as probably more like pansexual, bisexual, like I don't really want to put a label on it, but I'm swimming somewhere in there. Um, So being around everybody has really like helped me open up. Yes, um, journey of self-discovery. Yes, we love exactly. it. We love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's been great so far. Um, like I said, everyone's super sweet and welcoming. So it's it's been great. <laughs> yeah, well, and thank you so much for sharing that with me and, and the, the listeners. I think, you know, pride is such a visible... Uh, component of the queer and trans community, I think, but it can also be something that's very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I know when I was coming into my own identity and sexuality and gender, like pride was this thing where I was like, oh my God, I have to be the most like confident person in myself to participate in this thing. But that is really, you know, what I've uncovered is like not the case. And I've like live in this just fluid state of existence between like gender, identity, sexuality, and it is just like liberating and like amazing. And so welcome to like the pride community. <laughs> and uh, it's so great to have you involved. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, like I said, it's really um, been freeing, you know, just being around so many people that, even if they're not the most confident person in the room, they carry themselves with that grace. You know, even yourself, Josh, the way you're you're so um, vibrant with the way you dress, with the way you carry yourself, it's amazing to see. And it honestly is helpful to other people who are figuring themselves out too. I so appreciate that. And so K-Sense Co., talk to me about the company, the inspiration, the work. I know you support a lot of women-owned business in that space and the importance of that to, to you. So uh, tell us more. So K-Sense um, is my little baby. Um, I started it when I was 25. I had just gotten fired from my corporate recruiting job. Um, I was really going through a lot of different things. I was like in a really rocky relationship. Um, so I started making candles. I was inspired by one of my old college friends who was doing it out in California. Um, but I really wanted it to be different. So I kept looking at how to be eco-friendly, how to be eco-conscious. So even with the materials that we make our candles out of, it's all natural soy wax. I use the highest quality fragrance oils that are like PBA free and, and all those really disgusting chemicals, um, are eliminated from the, from the process. 
Um, but the recycling and repurposing of the bottles is really what got me going. Um, it's a lot of work, you know, having to cut the bottles, sand them. I do every single candle myself. Um, I'm hoping in this next year or two, I'll be able to kind of train other people and, and let go of that a little bit. Um, but every single case and candles handmade by moi, um, and basically, yeah, um, the other women that I bring into the store, they're all focused on sustainability as well. So some of my greeting cards, for example, they are printed on wildflower seed paper. So when you're done with it, um, you could actually plant it and wildflower seeds will grow. What? Yeah. Whoa. So um, things like that. We have like uh, bamboo toothbrushes, uh, cleaning products made out of like aluminum uh, bottles. So we're completely plastic free. The only like somewhat type of plastic is our stickers um but they're super high quality vinyl so they should be super long lasting um but yeah it's it's really nice supporting local women um being able to kind of know that i'm not in this alone you know i like to call my vendors vendors since it's majority woman um right now we're updating our website to have like a little about me section about them all because um, I do like people to be able to follow them individually and, and figure out what they're up to as well. And that's something that I think is so important. And, you know, here at Public Hearing, we are focused on how do we realize equitable, just, and, like, joy-centered communities? And, and a component of that, I think, is um, sustainability, really looking at sustainability from, like, a handful of different angles from climate action like what are we doing to be more responsible to the the planet that we live on so that we can sustain us as a you know a humanity um, but also like how does our community sustain and like how do we build sustainability of our community so that it can grow and and, and strengthen um, and so first of all wildflower paper seed paper is very joy bringing to me. That sounds amazing. So I'm definitely going to have to come by the shop. And if listeners are just tuning in, Kat's shop, uh, K-Sense Co. is located currently in the Worcester Public Market. Yep. Um, so stop by, say hi, buy some candles, buy some wild fleets, wildflower seed paper cards <laughs> and more. Um, and so you talk about growing up in Worcester as well. And I'd love to hear about some of your experience. You know, you mentioned some of the like assistance that you and your family have received, um, through like, you know, your, your life. Um, but what are some of the, the barriers or the opportunities that you've kind of moved through as you've grown up here in the city that have enabled you or maybe made it more challenging for you to pursue, uh, business ownership and entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, definitely it's, it's difficult because I'm kind of thinking back on like middle school, elementary, and there was times, um, for maybe for like some context. So we grew up from kindergarten to half a sixth grade in Vernon, Vernon street. So I went to Vernon Hill school. Um, I don't know why, but I'm like, maybe it was more, there was more white people in the neighborhood. Maybe it was a little more affluent. Um, cause in the middle of sixth grade, I moved to Maine South neighborhood and I went to Canterbury street school. The education went from, I felt like I was at Harvard to, I went to community college in comparison. And it was maybe a 10 minute drive from each other. Um, the education I was receiving at Vernon Hill school was so much more stronger than in the Maine South school. 
So for me, that really made me go from like a kid who was really book smart, who loved reading, to now I was in a neighborhood where, you know, you're outside more, you're kind of hanging out with people more. Um, At the time, my mom had just bought a house, so she was working more to cover the mortgage rather than rent. Um, And she was a landlord rather than just running. So that, I remember, um, that experience in that time was very difficult. Um, In middle school, I got bullied a lot. Um, I got into a lot of fights. I got suspended a lot. So I understand um, when kids and parents are talking about, like, the suspension rate and all that, where, like, for black and Latina girls, you know, we get in trouble a lot faster. Like, I remember the very first time I got suspended, it was because this boy pulled a chair from out under me in the library, and I got so upset because he embarrassed me in front of everybody. So I got up and I punched him in his stomach, and (laughs) I took the air right out of him. But they got me in trouble before him getting in trouble. Like, I got out of school suspension, and I think he got, like, a detention or something. So even in back in those days, it's like, that, that's not fair. That's not right. Um, but a lot of those difficulties really pushed me and motivated me to always be better, to always be more than a statistic. That's something that really kept me motivated is I don't want to be a statistic. You know, having a, a teen parent's... Um, really influenced me to, you know, want to go to college, want to graduate, want to get married before I have children um, type of thing. And and that's pushed me to where I am now. Um, Every time something happens or someone tries to push me down, I get up and I'm like, watch, you're going to see, you're going to see what happens when I get back up and I figure my shit out. You know what I mean? Um, So it's, it's definitely been a challenge, but that all of those challenges growing up in Maine South, growing up in Worcester, um, growing up with a, a single mom really pushed me to be the fighter and, and the woman that I am now. Um, I try to really involve other women in everything I do. I try to really take care of, you know, the the person that people are looking down on because many times in my life that was me. Um, but thankfully we rose. <laughs> And one of the things I'd like to underscore there as well, when you're talking about like the data and like not being a statistic, the uh, Action by Design, my company does a lot of work specifically as it relates to eliminating the school to prison pipeline and that pathway of pushing kids out of the classroom and into the juvenile legal system through, you know, juvenile detention centers, et cetera, which is youth incarceration for folks who might think differently about about what you know happens in those in those spaces and unfortunately um your your stat is 100% correct like disproportionately black and latinx women are uh, and girls are um suspended at higher rates and disciplined at higher rates than their their peers but even in our data there is not a lot that's been collected around the impact of the juvenile legal system and school discipline on girls of color because the focus on boys as well, right? So a lot of the data that we see showing up in our in our discipline, in our um, juvenile detention facilities, et cetera, is focused on like, how do we address the challenges with young men and boys? And it's erasing a lot of the disproportionality of the impact on girls. So I just want to uplift that as we're talking about equity and justice in our community, that this is an area that folks need to be cognizant of and mm-hmm. especially as we're advocating for educational equity like excellence that is equitable in Worcester and I think it's a powerful story that you're telling of the difference within one school district between two different schools that you personally experienced yeah. and the unnecessary burden or challenges that our young people have to face 
by being in environments that are not built to support them. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. That's why one of my biggest goals, um, and I've applied for a couple of grants, I'm applying for a couple more, um, is to do like a summer, it's almost like a mini version of Leadership Worcester for the summer for girls of color facilitated completely by women of color. Um, Because for us, it's really difficult to see, okay, yeah, I could, you know, be an owner of a company, but what does that really look like? You know, I'm very fortunate that I ended up studying business. It was kind of like, it was, it was that or teaching and the teaching salary was just not it for me. (laughs) So that's why I did business. Um, But I'm very thankful I did because it really helped form me, form my actual business. And, you know, um, it eliminated a lot of issues because I did, you know, study the theory of it in school. Um, definitely doesn't help you and prepare you 100% for when you're actually in the thick of it. Um, but I definitely have, you know, classes and stuff that I could fall back on. Um, but it's it's super nice to see that. Sorry, I like lost my train of thought where I was going Totally with that. happens. <laughs> totally happens. Well, and I, I, I was going to say I love this idea. It's it's brilliant and, and I think necessary. And um, I'll uplift another local podcast that just started called Don't Touch My Podcast by Giselle Rivera Flores and Jennifer Gaskin. Love Giselle. Um, Yes, Giselle and Jennifer are fantastic. We've had them on the show um, talking about issues in the community specifically of um, a a handful of episodes ago, we brought folks in to address an article that was in the Worcester Business Circle circle that talked about... um, like oh, the infiltrating the inner circle. Exactly. Oh, that article was so annoying to and, read. <laughs> and so, and so we talked and like really dissected that and mm-hmm. what it was saying and mm-hmm. the like irrationality behind that position of like, oh, you just have to keep showing up to be included. And um, the the women that we brought in to have this panel discussion, Giselle Rivera Flores and Jen Gaskin being two of them talked about those challenges of like, you, you can't just show up, you know, when you do show up, you have to deal with a whole different layer of exclusion in that space. And so I think it's, it's really critical for um, young people or young girls um, in the community to have exposure to things like a leadership booster concept, because I don't know about, about how your experience was through leadership booster, but I know that I was able to connect to many people in the community. And that was a gateway to access for things. And I recognize that it was a privilege for me to be able to go through that program and that other people have, have not. Right. So how do we continue like opening gates for people um, so that they're able to, you know, more agilely and quickly kind of rise to what they want to be doing and not have to deal with like the BS of barriers and structural issues. That's why I lost my train of thought. I started getting angry. <laughs> but, you know, that happens when you're passionate sometimes. But, no, that's exactly it. And um, exactly what you said there. Sometimes, like, I stop. I take a second. I'm like, wow, I really am privileged. Because, like I said, statistically, I shouldn't be in this position that I'm in. You know, I shouldn't have gone through the programs that I've gone through. But, thankfully, through things like Leadership Worcester, um, having people so, so supportive of me, like Tina Zoldi, for example. She works in the Worcester Public Market. She's the director of the the market pantry. She's been um, one of my most supportive work moms. That's something I've collected throughout the years is a lot of work moms. And they really push me. They're they're opening up opportunities for me. They're mentioning me in rooms of opportunities that I would have never even imagined. Um, And they're always kind of like, go, try this, try this, try that. Um, 
And now through my leadership Worcester experience, I collected another work mom, Karen Pelletier, that works for the chamber. Um, and she's always emailing me stuff. Hey, have you heard about this? Hey, you should sign up for this. Hey, find out about that. Um, and it's been really nice because even though there's so many opportunities in Worcester, sometimes I can't afford to go to all of them, whether it's financially or time-wise. So what I did is I created a small Facebook group, um, and it's called Women Community Business. And it's all of my friends from high school, past jobs, um, that are either you know organizing their own business, their own side hustles, and I have them all together. I'm like, hey, this is an opportunity I heard of. Um, and they're sharing their own opportunities as well, which is really great. Um, so I like to put my, my little self-label is um, I'm a good connector. I like to connect people to opportunity, places to people, um, companies to companies. So I really enjoy doing that for the community. Um, and I try to keep the gate as open as possible because um, there's this quote that I like to live by. It's you're, sometimes you're, you're not finding a path, you're creating that path, but you have to leave it well lit for other people to follow. Mm. Um, so that's something that I try to do day in and day out. And I, Thank you. I, I, you just like took me back. I just paused for a second because uh, that's so critical. And I think where my mind is going right now is this like juxtaposition of your story and the things that you're doing and supporting as someone who was raised here, who's starting a business, who is is doing all that, and the broader like. Well, I won't say broader. I would say like a specifically smaller group of people in positions of power in the community that are looking at Worcester's development through a very different lens mm -hmm. and is not so much about what I, what I pull from um, Strongtown's term of economic gardening, but it's like gentrifying economic development and looking at how do we bring in money from the outside instead of how do we support our community mm -hmm. in building wealth here and growing and expanding. And so I'm interested through, through your experience through Leadership Worcester, I had a very positive experience and also really challenged a lot of the rooms that we were in because of decisions that were being made about how Worcester's growing and even how we talk about Worcester's growth. You know, I get still frustrated when people talk about the Worcester Renaissance. That's just like a little thorn in my side. <laughs> um, I don't know like how others feel, but I think the, the challenge with that is it's always this like reimagining, reawakening, making new, like talking about the city in a way that's like, we're starting over. Yeah. And I think that's really harmful to the work that so many people have done. And to your, to your quote, you know, the, the, lit path that others have left before us so mm -hmm. that we could step in and do the work that we're doing now. So I'm wondering how you've kind of navigated that through and maybe some of the things that you've learned through Leadership Worcester, the conversations that you've been exposed to, and how our community can really center like equity in our development and focus and pay more close attention to people who live here, who have been involved and are, and are working to build their own wealth and are proud to be part of this community instead of just profiting off of a, a city that's developing. Yeah. Um, I am probably very similar to you then in our Leadership Worcester experience because I would always go in with a very open heart, very happy, very cheerfully listening to everything going on. But as soon as somebody would say a bolt, like a blanket statement that was false, I'd be like, oh, mm -mm, nope, sorry, that's incorrect. My experience in Worcester is actually X, Y, Z. Um, and to some people, it's kind of been eye-opening. And to some people, they're like, oh, okay, like 
she she knows what she's talking about. You know what I mean? So really just depended on the situation. Um, but when it comes to overall, when people talk about this whole renaissance, this whole rebirth, it is frustrating to me too, because there is so much that's already been happening, happening in Worcester for decades, for generations. You know what I mean? Um, and for my family personally, um, I don't know if you've ever heard about the murder that happened in 93 with the police. Um, it was Cristiano Hernandez. He had was murdered by Worcester police just kind of the same way that George Floyd was murdered. That's actually my family member. That's my uncle. Um, so for me, Worcester PD has always been like very evil being, you know what I mean? Um, but kind of growing up and, and seeing like where the budget is and seeing all these different things going on, I've brought that experience a lot into different rooms. You know, I let people know, hey, this isn't just something that happens elsewhere. This has happened to Worcester and this has happened to my family. So for us, Worcester's a bittersweet place. You know what I mean? Like it's very painful here, but it also has opened up a lot of opportunities because my, you know, my grandmother, my my great-grandmother, you know, they've all been here, they've all worked, they've all pushed us to continue working, to continue going to school, to continue um, being a, a change maker, you know, from where we come from, it's a super, super, super poor country, but we're all people that are willing to give, even if we have nothing, you know, I will share my last $5 for us to go get a sandwich and split it so we, we both ate that day, you know what I mean, that's just the type of family that I come from. And we're not the only Worcester family like that. You know what I mean? It's very, very common to find people like that in Worcester. You know, there are lots of young um, young men and women, especially Latinas. There's a lot of people in the churches that are, are driving change that, you know, know what the people need and want. But if our city councilors, if our, you know, our new incoming city manager being a Puerto Rican man, you know, maybe these things will, will make change. Maybe these things will, will kind of um, get all of our leaders and organizers to focus on what's already happening. Worcester isn't in a rebirth. We're just kind of putting the magnifying glass on who's already here. And they need to take that um, and run with it. And they need to stop bringing in so many developers. Like Vernon Hill, the neighborhood I grew up in, so many of the beautiful three-deckers have been bought out by developers who don't care. They don't care. Mm. The neighborhoods are dirty. Mm -hmm. They don't come in snow. They don't come in plow. You know, the, uh, clean up the snow. So there's there's so many things that the city's like, oh, well, we're going to bring in developers because it's good for our tax bracket or it's good for, for the money coming into the city. But it's like, yeah, but in real life, the quality of life isn't that great. The fireworks every other Friday, so annoying. My dogs in my building go go crazy. You know what I mean? Like, it's a beautiful thing, but there's also disturbances when it comes to other people. Well, thank you. I, I could not have summarized and, and spoken those truths any more articulately. So thank you. And I and I wish that we had more time today because there's so much more that I want to dive into with you. And I so appreciate you sharing some of your story and your background and highlighting the like structural harms that are caused by institutions like police force and things like that. And I'm sure for listeners will want to expand on and have more conversations around these things as well, which we will always continue to do here on this show. Um, thank you to you, Kat, for coming on the show today. And thank you listeners for listening to Public Hearing, our podcast and radio show that airs Wednesdays at 6 p.m. on WICN 90.5 FM, Worcester's only NPR affiliate station, and can be heard wherever you listen to podcasts. Our show is about Worcester, a community engagement and elevation 
elevating resident representation in decision-making spaces. I'm your host, Joshua Croak. At Action by Design, we engage communities with purpose. Uh, As a designer committed to equity, I know that when we build systems, programs, and initiatives that meet the needs of our most marginalized and vulnerable populations, we meet the needs of everyone. This work benefits all of us. Connect to and support Public Hearing at publichearing.co. If you have an idea for the show, let us know. Uh, Shares, likes, and follows really help us out. We will connect uh, to KSense Co. and all of the gram social spaces websites that that you have uh our audio producer is juliano d'arazio who also made our show music also thanks to molly gammon and kelly kajurek who also support the production of the show and as you know the work continues worcester thanks for listening